Hello and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today is a sad day. It's the end of Heresy Month 2022. This is going to be the fourth and final installment of our third annual Spooktober deep dive into all the scary, dark corners of the bad parts of theology that you don't want to go to because it's scary and it'll eat your soul and that's why we do it in October and Halloween time. Um, we, this was a really, I feel like we, we had a good, this isn't really you know, apropos of today's episode, but I feel like we had a really good batch of uh, topic ideas for this October. Um, I know after last October, we were a little concerned about, you know, <laughs> what what we'd be able to, I mean, we did, we did, a, we did an episode on freaking monothelitism last year, so <laughs> you could probably already tell we were pretty much running out of but last year's heresy ideas. month. Last year's heresy month was our best month. Like within a like you know first to the thirty first or thirtieth or twenty eighth, depending on the month. Like that was the most downloads we've had in a calendar month. Last heresy month. That's true. It is a fun time. We get to listen to a better. I don't want to say better, but a more exciting version of our intro. I mean, I feel bad saying that. Because it's complimenting Richie's Halloween intro, but also he made the regular one, so maybe I should, shouldn't phrase it that way. But we get to listen to a, a super sweet intro tune. We get that to, thing goes hard. We get to like talk about things that we normally wouldn't, because we're normally discussing and investigating theology and the Christian life, and we're normally trying to do so faithfully, so we don't necessarily spend as much time dealing with or exploring things that are generally outside of that category. So it's a fun time. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you've been sticking around uh, for the last 23 days as we're recording this, 25 days as this is released. And um, yeah, it's been a good one. I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's not over. It's not over. We've got, uh, we've got another episode today that we are, again, a little bit like last week. It, we're kind of, we're kind of, exploring some new territory with heresy month i think it's safe to say in the sense that you know strictly speaking when you look at things like we did episodes on pelagianism and donatism and arianism like these very you know as the centuries have gone on we're able to look back and we're able to clearly define you know these things are outside of the box of what Christianity formally is in terms of what you're allowed to say about God or allowed to say about salvation or whatever it might be. Um, and we got into this a little bit last week uh, and, or was it the week before the courts of heaven episode? And um, I think even more so uh, this week, although, although we haven't connected. So I'd like, it'd be interesting to know if, if we're on the same page as far as that goes or not, but even more so this week with our, with our, with our group, our um, organization, our church that we're going to be talking about, that tag of heresy is, I think, fair to say very, very questionable and debatable. You might fall on one side or the other, um, but I don't think anybody would say it's really clear cut. Um, 
in terms of whether or not calling these this group of people and what they believe and teach and advocate for heresy well like, now it, that's, it makes me that's interesting know, though it, so, because yeah. it's 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 definitely like some weird teaching some stuff that's outside the norm of of historic orthodox christianity and so does that mean that it's heretical that's where it's up for debate i feel like you know like you've mentioned we've covered historic documented condemned teachings that we call heresy like the church has just agreed that these are what we're calling heretical it seems like today that sort of thing doesn't happen i don't know if like if we need to call a council to to condemn certain things as heresy maybe that's the next step here um or maybe like time will be the the arbiter like we'll just in 50 years look back and be like oh okay so yeah, that was pretty bad and probably her- uh, heresy and heretical. Um, but you're right. Like this church that we're talking about today with these people, uh, this this organization has not been outright condemned as heretical or necessarily heresy yet, though I do think it's very problematic. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, seeing the title and, and uh, if you have followed our podcast at any point over the last two years. I, I'm, I can't think of specific examples, but I don't think it would come as any surprise uh, to anybody who, who knows who we are, um, who has heard us talk about anything, you know, related to this before, that both myself and Jens do not represent, uh, you know, do not, do not come from um, you maybe slightly more than me, technically, um, but either in our past as, and especially now in, in where we, as we've sort of developed and, and, and sort of, you know, we've both in our lifetime done a little bit of migrating theologically and, and ecclesially. Um, and ne- neither of us would, would really fall into, like if there was a Venn diagram of us and Bethel church who were, that's who we're talking about. Um, they overlap in that Venn diagram would probably be really small compared to um, some other, you know, big, uh, significant, large churches that we might be able to name um, or, or similar kind of groups as as Bethel and, and not just Bethel. You know, Bethel's not just a church. You've got school and obviously the music and, and all that kind of stuff. But all that to say, I don't think it's really a surprise that, or it should, probably shouldn't be a surprise that either of us would would use a word like problematic to describe um, some of what Bethel teaches. Uh, and I think we're going to do a little bit of, of a little bit of exploring some like obviously this is a church with a very long history. I mean the, the church itself has existed for decades and decades. Um, the current uh, head pastor, Bill Johnson, has been, I believe, in that role since 1996. Um, so as long as I've been alive, he has not only been at that church, but been the head pastor. So, I mean, this is, this is not some, you know, obscure little, you know, new, like historically it's obviously new. It's, we're talking about a generation or two, but like in terms of, in terms of they've been doing what they've been doing for, for a while, you know, a a good amount of time. And they've obviously had a lot of success in terms of the worship band, Bethel music, um, even just outside of the sort of non-denominational, you know, Pentecostal-ish, more charismatic-minded non-denom people, um, even outside of that circle, I mean, I'm pretty sure we sing Bethel songs at my church on occasion. Um, 
I think. I, I don't really know. Um, I'd have to go back and check and, and I am see. almost certain that you do. I think most churches <laughs> yeah, in our country right. probably do. That's the thing. Um, I think it'd be a safe bet. I don't know for sure, but it would definitely be a safe bet. And and that shows the, the broad appeal musically. But but the re- only reason I bring up the music is just because, the, you know, like I said, they're, they're this huge church with thousands and thousands of members in, in California. They've also got this really, at, at this point, I think it's safe to say global music ministry turned into it's kind of its own thing, really. Um, kind of like uh, like Hillsong, you know, like Hillsong musically is kind of its own thing b- beyond the sort of reach of Hillsong churches directly, especially nowadays, but I guess that's a different story. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess, or this is sort of an aimless intro that has gone on for far too long. So before I continue, I, I don't know, like if we want to, if we want to, if, if we want to focus on you know, maybe a brief little bit of background, just in terms of like, if, if you've never heard of Bethel Church, or you know, the name, but you don't know what their deal is. Um, what is, you know, like, what is Bethel Church, you know, like kind of kind of that 30,000 foot view of, of, of what we're talking about. And then if we want to move into maybe some of the more, if there are some specific points that kind of brought this idea up to the surface for us to even think about doing as part of this month and think about doing an episode in general you know that might be a good way to get the ball rolling yeah but like i mentioned earlier we haven't touched base and i'm really interested to see um because we haven't touched base and i was a little bit surprised as i was preparing for this episode i'm curious to see how this conversation is going to go so i want to leave it really open-ended to just kind of touch on whatever comes up well, this this conversation, I'm very glad we landed on doing this one for a number of reasons. Like one, it is going to be a little bit spicy, I think, because of the fact that it's a contemporary prominent thing. Like like we've already mentioned, Bethel Music, Bethel Church, the ministries, the output that they have. Like the thing is, more than maybe any other thing we've ever covered, this has probably direct interaction to you in your everyday life. Whether you're hearing the music on the radio, you know, on K-Love or your local Christian radio station, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, whether you're reading books, whether it's just like the songs that you're singing on Sunday. Um, there are so many artists that 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 Bethel, quote unquote, employs, and it's almost certain that somebody has worked with or written or been associated with Bethel in that capacity. And so one of the questions I want to sort of get to towards the end to sort of reveal my cards is like, given what we're about to cover, the things that I find to be problematic, and even maybe severely problematic, should we sing their songs? Should we quote unquote, support them in that way? And we'll, we'll get to that towards the end. Um, but I first want to just highlight Bill Johnson in particular, and then then we'll briefly cover Bethel as well. Um, Bill was born July 18th, 1951. Uh, he's a fifth-generation pastor. As Lucas mentioned, he's held the senior leader or senior pastor position at Bethel since 96. Um, he's known for um, this, this, this church and uh, really a, a movement with a large focus on miracles and the Holy Spirit. And there was a Christianity Today article that says he has considerable influence among charismatic Christians all over the world. So again, that's why this is one of the most like applicable and direct, I think, to many people, because this isn't just an isolated thing in one place. Um, this is a global thing reaching many people. So Johnson joined Bethel in 96 with a stipulation that the message would always be about revival, 
with an emphasis on God's supernatural presence. Um, Interestingly, when he joined, the church lost 1,000 members over his vision. So this church, when when he came on, had about 2,000 people. They lose 1,000 because of the vision that he's setting forth. However, under his leadership, they grow from that 2,000, and again, down to 1,000. But then now, uh, the numbers as of uh, 2019 were 11,000. So growing significantly since 96. His father, M. Earl Johnson, previously held the senior pastor position from 68 to 82. So a significant amount of time. That's back when Bethel was part of the Assemblies of God, which we've talked about. We've talked about the Assemblies of God, the charismatic movement. Um, That's sort of like maybe my closest tie-in with Bethel, other than hearing them on the radio and such. Like, I was a part of Assemblies of God Church for a while. So we've covered that on air before. But um, so interestingly, in the 80s, Johnson attended what uh, were called John Wimber Signs and Wonders conferences. Maybe we need to dedicate a little bit of time to talking about John Wimber sometime. Like, the cursory glance I gave him was very strange. Um, but this is like 87 and he was seeking the, 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 his goal was like seeking revival, but specifically healing. However, he left discouraged because he had been teaching these concepts that John had been teaching, but the outcome was drastically different. So Johnson says that his discouragement brought about a realization that faith required risk. And after this realization, the healing miracles began to happen. So he travels to Toronto um, in 95, and he attends a similar revival meeting called the Toronto Blessing. And here is where he recounts receiving a fresh touch from God. And that these were focused, these his life now was focused on pursuing the Holy Spirit and these gifts. Um, so just very briefly, last little bit of like information about Bill. In 98, so he'd been teaching, or he had been leading this church for two years. In 98, uh, Johnson, along with the current Bethel senior associate associate leader named Chris Valaton, um, they started the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and they began to train students to be basic to basically become revivalists. Today, the school has approximately two thousand students from fifty seven countries. Um, which is pretty incredible. So that's a little bit of background about Bill Johnson in particular. Um, I think obviously when we talk about a church that is so like integrated with a pastor, like when we talk about the church, we're in a way talking about the pastor and vice versa. So like with some of the details that we're about to share, we can see that like this is the teaching of Bill Johnson. This is what he believes and affirms. Um, so just, I figured that was worth saying it's, this isn't like, um, like a denomination, like the SBC, for example, where there can be different pastors with different opinions. Like when we talk about Bethel church in a sense, we are talking about Bill Johnson. So do you have anything that you want to say before we sort of talk about the, the nitty gritty of Bethel in particular? Yeah. I mean, so obviously like we've, we've already mentioned you and I are not Pentecostal. We are not, uh, charismatic, you know, as a, broader category that doesn't just mean Pentecostal. So obviously you and I could go through Bethel's, you know, statement of faith and they might say something about uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit or second blessing. I, I now they might not actually, I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that they do say that, but I'm saying like 
we might find a sermon where they mention that or say, you know, whatever. And we might say, oh, look, see, this is, you know, this is wrong because of X, Y, or Z, or, you know, they're misinterpreting this passage because of ABC. Um, but that's not really what I think we want to talk about because it's not, you know, we are not charismatic or Pentecostal. Those are differences we have. But I don't think either of us are interested in saying that Pentecostalism or even the charismatic movement, you know, period, is heretical, right? Like, like there's, there's, we, we, we've got differences. We would not fit into a church within those, those, that movement or, or one of those denominations, but that's not the point, um, that, 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 like, that's not what we're focusing on, right? It's not like, oh, Bill Johnson speaks in tongues and I don't, and I don't, I think he's a heretic. That's not what we're trying to do, um, there's, there are some, I, I think where this conversation is going to go is a little bit more specific um, than just general, like, you know, this isn't an episode on, like, our opinion on Pentecostalism. And and I guess technically they're not Pentecostal, but they obviously come out of that movement. Um, they're very much influenced by the charismatic movement. They are non-denominational. They're, they're their own entity um, as far as, like, organizational structure goes, um, which isn't super unique, you know, but, but it, you know, it is worth saying that it's not like, like, I believe the church when it was smaller back in the day was at one point, at least in the assemblies of God. Um, I think that's where it kind of started, but then, but then at some point very long ago, the church, you know, that they left and, and they're not, um, officially in any sense, you know, connected to or affiliated with, with any denomination, um, in particular. So I I do think it's, it's, it's worth keeping in mind. Like that's like, we're not talking about charismatic Christianity and we're not talking about Pentecostalism um, in the sense that those are the things we're going to focus on when it comes to what Bethel teaches and practices. No. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I I personally want to highlight some of those strange things about Bethel in particular and, and evaluate those on their own, you know, on their own standing and so maybe now is a good time to just give that that background on Bethel and some of those teachings. So, I mean, this comes straight from their Wikipedia page. You can read this anywhere, too. But, but Bethel Church is an American, non-denominational, neo-charismatic megachurch in Redding, California with over uh, 11,000 members. So the church was established in 1952 and, as we've said, is currently led by Bill Johnson. Um, Bethel has its own music labels, so um, Bethel Music and Jesus Culture Ministries, and these have gained popularity all over the CCM world. Um, The church also runs, as we said, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, um, and just for this is what's on the the page. It says senior church leaders have been um, staunch supporters of socially conservative politics. Not really all that surprising. Um, but Bethel Church focuses on miracles. That is like a big emphasis for Bethel. It teaches that all miracles described in the Bible can be performed by believers today and that it happens regularly, including faith healing um, of everything from cancer to regrowing limbs, raising the dead, speaking in tongues, casting out demons in prophecy. So if you find yourself at a service in Redding, California, um, congregants can be seen laughing uncontrollably, lying on the floor, shaking, staggering, screaming, dancing, um, which they teach are signs of being filled with the Spirit. Um, 
Leaders claim to have also witnessed angels appearing and, quote, balls of electricity that throw people into the air. Now, um, perhaps one of the most well-known phenomenon that has taken place, I'm sure you've seen it on YouTube. I I think I saw the video um, somewhat recently again even. Um, but Bethel sort of like in the, 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 the spotlight for what they called their... Um, uh, their glory cloud or like their gold dust or gold glitter. Um, like literally during a, a, a service one day from the auditorium roof, like gold dust started to come out of, I don't know, the vents or the the ceiling or whatever, um, which was a pretty big deal. Like, so if that's real, why is that the form in which, you know, the spirit or whatever is taking? If it's not real, like why is Bethel leadership trying to say that like, like, why were they manufacturing that to say that it's real? Like, either way, it's a little bit weird that this gold dust, this glo- this glory cloud um, sort of took over. Uh, I guess, like, another strange thing that took place, you, you maybe remember this. This is somewhat more recently, and it actually gained national press coverage, not just, like, in the Christian world. But in December um, of 2019, there was a campaign to pray for the resurrection of a worship leader's deceased two-year-old daughter. So, uh, Callie, and I'm going to butcher this, I apologize, Helgenthal is Helgenthal, um, but this, this mother is a recording artist with Bethel, a worship leader at the church. She posted to Instagram asking for her large, uh, social media following to pray for her, for her daughter, for her daughter, Olive, praying that she would be raised from the dead. And so this spawned a global hashtag with thousands of posts. Uh, the church hosted a prayer service for the cause where the young, um, basically like the, the, the people were, were being led in prayer. So um, in a public statement, the church did say that physical resurrection was possible in modern times. And in a video addressing critics, Bill Johnson said that there was biblical precedent for this belief and that Jesus commanded his disciples to raise the dead. Um, the prayer efforts did conclude after six days. Um, obviously, it, it, I think it goes without saying that this little girl was not raised. Um, and so the church put out uh, a press release that the family would tra- transition towards a memorial service. Um, and so during the prayer efforts, though, a, a GoFundMe page was set up that raised approximately $75,000 within a month. Um, so that's a you know, obviously a very sad situation where a family loses a young child um, and, you know, some interesting results follow. So I don't know. There, That's sort of like what I want to highlight right now. There are a couple other things that I want to get to, but I want to hear from you. Like, does any of that stick out? Was any of that what you wanted to say? What are some of the weird things that you found about Bethel specifically? So here's where this is why I, I cut myself off before we started recording. Um, I'm going to say what I didn't think I'd be saying today. Um, so that that stuff, obviously... Look, okay, let me back up. Everything... Now, I, this is going to be... This might be a bold, a bold claim. I, I think everything that you just described, to me, would fall under the umbrella of they are charismatic, broadly speaking, it, to sum it up in the smallest you know, one word possible. I don't think that that's the stuff that 
Like, that stuff warrants a, an episode of the Doxology podcast. I don't think that warrants an October episode. Because here's the problem, because the problem I have is Jesus does say, you're going to do greater things than I did, and he does tell his disciples to raise the dead. Um, the prophets do raise the dead. The apostles do raise the dead um, on more than one occasion. Uh, like, So he tells those people that. Does he tell, does that necessitate that all believers thus in all times will do the same? That's where it, like, it gets down to that. And again, I know you're talking about like the difference between charismatics, broadly speaking, and Bethel in particular. And maybe we do need to have an entire episode about gifts and if they've continued, if they've ceased, etc. Mm. But like... That that's well, where I keep, was like drawing the line a little bit too. Let's just keep going though. Okay. The the glory cloud thing. Um, all I think about is, you know, statues of Mary that are that are crying oil inexplicably, right? And, um, you know, Marian apparitions. You know, we just passed the like hundredth anniversary of the um, Lady of Fatima apparition or something. And, uh, you know, there is, look through history, you know, I, I, I think we, hopefully you and I don't disagree that the spiritual realm exists and there are spiritual beings, um, you know, go back to our UFO episodes, um, for, you know, some conversations sort of adjacent to that, um, or even the psychedelics episode we did, um. Like, I, I don't have any problem believing that some sort of miraculous, you know, appearance of some kind of confetti happened. I don't find it that compelling. I, I don't necessarily believe that it's supernatural. Um, but it's not any stranger than, you know, Jesus spitting in the mud to clean, I mean, to cure someone's blindness like if, if you're gonna break it down in fairness I, I just i don't think that they're like i don't know i'm not i wasn't there i don't i don't and i don't even really care if it was fake and it's just hype which is just sort of like cynically what i would expect you know to happen um or if it was real um as some sort of affirmation of the faith of of this community who's engaged in some kind of worship um setting or whatever I, I get really uncomfortable and nervous with things like praying for somebody's resurrection um, and that and expanding that even to just physical healing in general. When you start to, and this is where we can maybe transition to some of the other things, um, is I don't, what am I trying to say? I'm not comfortable with approaching something like physical healing um, from an error from from a from a standpoint of a sort of you know to say it negatively presumption and to say it more more like in a, in a better way you know assumption uh, or expectation that this is this is going to happen right um, because I I think that to pr- that to assume or to expect that anytime I pray for someone who is sick, physically sick, that they are going to be physically healed, or someone who is oppressed in some spiritual demonic way, that every time I encounter that, you know, all I need to do is in faith say 
say a prayer for them. And, and, and I expect and assume that that will always have the specific desired result of them being delivered and healed from whatever it is that's ailing them. Um, to me, when I hear people talk, and, and the reason I'm going this route is I watched, a lot of my preparation was I watched this chunks of this series of videos that they did, um, that Bethel did, that's on their website. It's called, called Rediscovering Bethel. That it's literally just leaders, you know, mainly Bill Johnson and the dean from the uh, School of Ministry, as well as other, uh, like, executive and, and head pastors and stuff, um, talking about all kinds of stuff. And they're, like, clearing up misconceptions and explaining things. And, kind of, like, it's a really great series if you're curious about about Bethel. You know, something as big as Bethel, I think it's really cool that they sat down. And, I mean, there's, like, hours of, of video and podcast content. If you wanted to scrub through it, you could. And it's chopped up into, like, different topics. You know, all kinds of stuff. And, and I heard I heard in this video series, Bill Johnson say um, it very explicitly that he believes on the basis of he, – he is convicted of this on the basis of Scripture. I, I would have some pushback to that. But he says that on the basis of Scripture and the basis of Jesus' ministry and Jesus' teaching that, that he, as, as a believer in Christ, like – the way he said it was, he has to believe. He has to um, to operate from the ex- from from the assumption that this person is going to be healed. Um, he 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 talks about it as though it would be unfaithful to to say something like, "If it's your will," or you know, "I pray that this person would be healed," or "This person may be healed." And then he kind of doubles down on that a little bit because he says in he says that in his entire ministry, his entire life, there have been two exceptions to that. Um, and he gave an example of, of one of them. I think he was saying they were the, both the similar situation where um, he was praying for someone who was like on their deathbed, like like very, you know, kind of like terminally ill kind of sick. And he says the Holy Spirit revealed to him that like he shouldn't pray for this person to get better because it was time for this person to go home. So he, he kind of tailored his prayers to that, like, may you give them, you know, peace and assurance and, and rest in you, whatever. And they passed away a couple hours later after they had been sick for, like, weeks or something, right? I, I think it, it is my humble opinion that the idea of when it comes to physical healing, even, like I said, even when it comes to, to deliverance from, from very real which is not everything, but very real um, spiritual realities that do oppress people. Um, when it's healing from from a um, a, bo- a bodily or a psychological illness or temporary affliction or whatever, I think to to expect that that's always going to be the response that God gives is to presume on God's mercy, to presume on God's grace, and to presume that we know best. Um, I, I don't see somewhere, Jesus did not heal, you know, and this is another thing that Bill Johnson explicitly says in this video that I am contradicting here. I would say Jesus does. Jesus did not heal everybody. Um, I have no problem believing that God does miracles. Um, a lot of times that looks like going to the doctor and getting a flu shot. A lot of times that looks like um, being anoint- having the elders anoint you when you're sick, like James commands us to do, and they pray over you. Um, all of that is all of that is God working in the world. Um, 
And so when it comes to things like the sign gifts, when we're, you know, if we're talking about heal- healings is obviously a big one when it comes to a conversation like Bethel, because like you said, the miraculous is a really, really big point of emphasis for not just not just sort of abstractly, but very concretely for the ministry that they engage in and what they what they expect to, like I said, expect, or I would say maybe presume to see. Um, and I think that there's, I think that there's real, there's real danger there. But I think that the danger for, for our purposes today is not a belief in miraculous healing gifts. I think that the danger for our purposes today is a particular expression of, of that kind of charismatic belief that leads you to, my words, presume on God's uh, working in in some in some way, um, and I hope that I hope that's clear. And then there's oh, some. Agreed. I I I think yeah. it's clear. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 And then I think where where we really start. I think that that kind of for me, I was watching these videos and I was like, well, gosh, dang it, like. This dude seems like he loves Jesus. He really cares about people. And he is trying really hard. And not just him, the other guy talking. And I was reading their statement of faith and all that stuff. Um, and they're they're really trying to, to run after Jesus in their context. And I have, I, you know, that doesn't, I mean, people are deceived all the time. I'm not saying that that justifies bad theology, bad practice, bad leadership or anything like that. But what I am saying is... Um, I found myself being like, well, they're just, they're just like, you know, deep end charismatics. They're not heretics. And I think that's where I'm going to land by the time we wrap it up. But what I will say is there are, there are some things that I, th- I think there's a, it, it, it maybe not directly, but it, it, to me, it's, it's connected to this, what I'm calling some kind of like presumption that I think translates to some of the other things that they do and teach and say, like the whole seven mountains thing, um, which I know was something that I think we wanted to get into. It's certainly something very unique. You know, I hadn't ever encountered it before you mentioned it and and seeing them talk about it, because they actually have a couple of those video segments. And these segments are like 15 to 30 minutes long. Like they're not little clips um, where they do talk about the seven mountains and stuff. And it's weird. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, and, and I think that, I think that there are some aspects of, um, that specifically, which it's kind of linked to dominionism, which is, I think something that probably more people have, have encountered or heard of, um, sort of more broadly, um, than like the seven mountains thing or the seven spheres thing, like specifically, but point being, I think that there's some, like the pitfall that I see them having fallen into is this really just, and I think a lot of it has to do with their context as a, as an independent, non-denominational, charismatic, you know, coming out of Pentecostalism. Um, I think you're, I think that context is susceptible to this kind of presumption that, might not be outright heresy, but I don't think it's good. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it, and I don't think it leads to good places. 
So 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 yeah. is it ba- is it bad? Is it wrong? I mean, like so the yes. thing like this conversation, like we could talk about Joel Osteen, we could talk about prosperity yes. teaching, we could talk about like yeah, it's good to desire health, and in, in some sense, it's even good to desire wealth. Um, but some of those things, you know, maybe need to be talked about in moderation or in certain contexts or different parts of the world. Like what's wealthy to some people is not the same in other places. Um, so like. I, I, I think I agree with you to some degree that, yes, like just because it's not outright heresy doesn't mean it's still not problematic or bad or could lead. Again, we've we've talked about stuff like Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism. Um, what is the 100, 200, 300 years removed outlook of something like this? Because, you know, we we're living in it now. We're living in the moment of Bethel, but what what happens a hundred years from now? Where do these teachings go? And so that's sort of like my question, sort of well rhetorically, but also sort of back to you. And obviously, you can't predict the future. That's not one of your gifts. Maybe one of mine, but um, th- th- yeah, I don't I don't know. That's that's sort of where we have to go with this because that's no, that's I, why we I think that's, that's really why good. we should care. Like that's why we should care about problematic teaching. It's not that like Lucas yeah. and I are in the business of wanting to just like call people out, label them, condemn them, and, like, we don't want you to associate with them ever again. But we we care about orthodoxy. We, we care about good teaching. We care about God's people. We care about when they're being led astray. Um, and so when we see something that's problematic, what do we do? How do we take action? How do we inform? Um, and so I, I think that's why they're worth talking about, because they are, in a sense, the current it church in you know whether it's musically or um you know conferences or the fact that they have a school like there are people from 57 ish countries who are attending this place going back out into their countries and places and spaces and so what is the um yeah what are what are the repercussions of the teachings here and what are the ramifications 50 100 even five years from now yeah i think that's really good and Having said all of that nice stuff about, you know, unexpected nice stuff about Bethel Church, um, like, obviously, I disagree. And um, I, I think that if, you know, like, gun to my head, kind of, you know, come down, pick a side kind of thing, I think I would want to stick them in the box that's somewhat vague. And I don't think, especially in, like, Protestant circles, I don't think that we are... are, are I don't think we've thought through what this means, and I think it's a helpful category, but I'd want to put them under the heterodox box. Um, I, I don't think that they don't know Jesus, but I do think that they're doing things that, that they're, they're interpreting Scripture wrongly on a number of points. Um, again, this goes back to the whole, I'm not a Pentecostal thing, so that's, you know, obviously I believe that. Um, and I think that there's this real problem of pres- presuming on God and I do think that, that that false teaching and that kind of presumption leads to spiritual danger because I got done, I, you know, just a couple minutes ago, I was talking about, well, hey, I mean, you know, like, like weirder stuff, weirder, God has done weirder stuff than sprinkle a bunch of gold dust, but God's not the only spiritual being that interacts with us. So, you know. Hearing people now, just because it's not my experience and context doesn't make it bad. But hearing about people convulsing and 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 uncontrollably laughing and all that kind of stuff, being filled with the spirit 
Holy Spirit doesn't sound like being out of control, right? So I'm not accusing them or anyone of anything. I'm just saying, like, there's real danger in in running into something that that you you know you don't you don't necessarily know. Um, and the other thing is, there's there's this along with like dominionism and this seven mountain thing, which I realize we never really said it. It's this idea, I think it comes from Peter Wagner originally, or, or maybe it was John Wimber, I don't remember. Um, but that those those kinds of circles in like the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, I think. Um, but it's this idea that there are like these set, like, I, for, I don't know what the seven are, I forget, but I know like one of them's like business. I think one of them's like government, one of them's family. But it's basically like these different spheres of society. And the idea that not necessarily that only Christians should be, you know, like Christians should be the boss of everyone in every sphere, but just like that Christians should think about these spheres and how the church can influence and, and you know, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. The, yeah. So the they, they call it, I mean, I, this calls it the seven mountain mandate. Um, you mentioned it's part of dominionism. They claim that the biblical base is from Revelation 17, 1 through 18, where verse 9 reads, And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. So these these seven areas um, which the movement believes control society and they seek to have control over are family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. Um, so that they believe that their mission to take over the world is justified by Isaiah 2, 2, which says, Now it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. And they also, there's a lot of like end times stuff weaved in to this mandate. But that's essentially it. Like there's these yeah. seven mountains, these seven pillars that all, all things sort of fall under. And it's the responsibility of believers to take hold of them to have dominion over them to claim them to christianize them even and i do want to say again and just just to be like we're honest people and seek to be in, have intellectual integrity like in this video series bill johnson and i forget the guy's name but the dean of the school for ministry they bring up the seven mountain mandate and they specifically say we don't think the church or christians ought to be taking over all of these things and like, so they're, they're, you know, with respect to Bethel, there's some nuance in terms of how they've sort of taken what they see as good and maybe left behind what they see as bad. But the point is, there is this, this kind of thing that is very much the water that Bethel swims in, even if, even if they've, they've made some changes or developments or kind of put their own spin, spin on things, you know. I will say, though, Bill Johnson did co-write a book called Invading Babylon, the Seven Mountain Mandate. So he's at least like written about it, perhaps maybe not to the same extent or severity as others. No, oh, yeah, he has. He's he, talked about it. They talk about it in that video. They talk a okay. little bit about that book um, and, and kind of. Um, it, yeah. Point being. Um, yeah. So the problem I have is with. Well, that's not true. There's lots of problems I have with Bethel in so many ways, but like. What I really want to focus on is that they've also been, and I know we're just kind of throwing random terms out <laughs> to a certain extent, but there's also this, there's a, there's this sort of movement, kind of not 
not like a cohesive thing, just kind of people have lumped different different uh, leaders together and all that kind of stuff under this umbrella called the New Apostolic Reformation. And Bethel and Bill Johnson have at times been kind of lumped in with that. And I continue to come back to this, just this sense where it's just like, and I think, I know we've talked about it, but I think we need to, um, we need to do a broader, like, what is Pentecostalism episode. Um, because the problem I have is you've just unhitched yourself completely um, to think that the church is in the church today is in need of some sort of reformation, and the way that is is to create something completely new and unhitch yourself from the reformers, from the medievals, from the fathers, from the entire history of the church, and create something new to skip over that to get back to the apostles or something, which is not how the church has thought at any point in history prior to the last, you know, 200, 350 years, something like that. And that's not what the Reformation was about. And this is this is my problem, you know. My tongue-in-cheek, you know, what would my solution be for Bethel? <laughs> Submit to a bishop and return to the faith once delivered to the saints and stop reinventing things. Um, my, my less tongue-in-cheek is similarly, you know, I, I do think I'm, I am pretty serious about the whole idea that you, you, sh- you should submit to a bishop because I think it's right and good and God has given us the church. But the point is, we confess that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Um, and I, I, I think the more I think about it, you know, places like Bethel specifically, um, and more, and and zooming out more broadly to um, Pentecostalism and sort of non-denominational charismaticism, you know, like the Vineyard and things like that. Um, it the why are you thinking that you can disconnect yourself from the vine, from the tree, from the body of Christ, and live? You know what I mean? I just there's this this serious lack of. It, 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 I think the what I'm going to say is I'm surprised at how nice I feel towards Bethel. And, and then the second thing I'm going to say is at the very foundational level, what I think I've seen is the, the problem comes down to ecclesiology. And, the pro, and, and ecclesiology doesn't mean church government. You know, is it congregational or Presbyterian or have bishops or the ecclesiology like what do we actually believe about the church and i don't think you can be a creedal you know historically aware reformational confessional christian and be part of movements like bethel right because i think that there are just and i'm not just talking about like doctrinal positions that you can you know, make a list and compare. I'm talking about at a more fundamental level. Um, I don't, I listen to Bill Johnson talk. I listen, I, I listen to like an hour and a half of stuff and I don't see him uh, connecting himself to the church, right? Um, capital C. I don't see any interest in the boundaries of orthodoxy, right? 
because there's this, and I think this is, I think this is what does link link it back to to Pentecostalism, um, which is different but obviously connected. I, I I think there's this there's this foundational belief that you know how do I put it like revelation is open ended. Um, the continued activity of God in the world in the spirit means that new things like new revelation is is in any sense possible which cuts against the grain of 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 what other christian traditions have have held to um you know before and still so and you know i'm part of one of those other christian traditions that is not pentecostal so i think that i think that there's there's a lot here that i think really what this what preparing for this episode did was like make me think we got to just talk about pentecostalism um, because I have said, I believe on air. And, um, if not, it's something that I've thought for a long time that, that if you think about Eastern Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism and Protestantism as branches or, or, you know, different, uh, branches, the best word, different branches of Christianity. I, I, I do truly believe that Pentecostalism is a, is a fourth new branch. Um, and I do think that, not that Bethel is Pentecostalism, to be fair to both Pentecostals and Bethel. We gotta call call things what they are. But pen, but coming out of the charismatic movement, Bethel is emerging, you know, historically speaking, from these Pentecostal waters. And I think that you see some of what I think are the foundation talking about your hundred, two hundred years down the road, you know, Bethel coming, you know, a hundred years after the Pentecostal movement gets started, like I see some of those foundational problems when it comes to what is the role of the church? What does the church actually look like? What is the role of the spirit? What does the spirit do? Right. Um, I, I think something like these weird aspects of Bethel, not just the charismatic aspects, but the, even the like, you know, kind of taking things one step further aspects that you can find with Bethel, um, are, are I, I might I think there might be an argument that they're sort of the downstream result of some of these more foundational problems with Pentecostalism that I that I see in my opinion um, and and the there and somebody like Bethel is just even more off in their own world doing their own thing disconnected from any sort of broader accountability structure or whatever yeah, I think and just to I end on a, that... on a note that uh, go ahead sorry Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, like, just just to, like, not to just poke fun or try or, you know, make something sound ridiculous. But one of the when, when we talked about doing this episode, one of the first things I thought of was this video from it was like it was like summer or, or early fall 2020. I think they had this conference or maybe it wasn't a conference. I I, I don't know. Um, there or there was a conference. I know Bill Johnson was on the stage, but also some of these other some other leaders from from. Uh, movements that are like connected with Bethel or they're on the same page, you know, the same kind of, um, I forget the people's names. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but um, there was this conference and in response to some kind of prophetic word that they received, they did this thing where they held up, um, you know, a big wooden Gandalf staff and ended racism in the church. And declared that there was no more racism in the church on the authority of Christ. Uh, and when I said Gandalf staff, 
I've deliberately said that. It's not me making fun of it because there's a four-minute clip where the the woman who had this prophetic vision, she's literally talking, she literally explains the scene with the Balrog and Mariah as, um, as the inspiration for this prophetic action where they all put a hand on the staff and she literally says, you shall not pass. And they pound it three times and they say, you know, in Jesus' name, racism in the church, the demon of racism in the church has been cast out. And you don't get there overnight. You know what I mean? And even doing that is not heretical. Like, obviously, you know, we do need to reject and expel from the church the, the influence of the powers and principalities and, and, and demons that that create and perpetuate racism obviously like there's the, there's no there's no question about that but like it's the, uh, you know i keep thinking of that word presumption and and so the, the point is like that's what i that's that's the issue right there's this they've they've drifted what i see is they've drifted into these like completely just way out there waters where they're just not connected from or not connected to the body of Christ in like, like, you know, universal cross time and space body of Christ working and, 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 and bringing forth the kingdom of God in the world that has always been going on, you know? And I don't know. I don't know that that's, those are kind of my somewhat scattered like thoughts (laughs) that I have after like spending the last like 48 hours thinking about Bethel a lot. Yeah. Well, to that end, I think you, you've hit on something really key here is like the more that we've distanced ourselves or the more that we do distance ourselves from orthodoxy, from the vine, from Christ himself, um, you almost have to ask what, what isn't like, what can't we do? And I, I don't mean that in a good way. Like that, that sounds like a good thing. Like, you know, in Christ, what can we not do? Like we, we should be able to, ha- you know, we're unleashed to do all these things. But like, you, the more that you read into Bethel, the more that you read into the school, the more that you read into all these different branches of their ministry, like there, there, like some weird stuff starts to pop up, um, like such as grave soaking. I don't know if you saw that little bit. If you, if you looked into that, that teaching of grave soaking, um, but the school at one point received criticism for a practice where they were again doing this thing called grave soaking or grave sucking, where they would lie on the graves of deceased revivalists in the belief that they would absorb the deceased's anointing from God. So apparently the school would visit graves for inspiration and prayer, but there, like, the students developed this practice based on an interpretation of, um, I had it here a second ago, Second uh, Kings 13.21, where um, uh, in, in that in that passage, a dead man was put in the grave of Elijah or Elisha, and when that man's corpse touched the dead bones of Elijah, he was revived. So, like the students, like again, based on this passage from Kings, believed you know if we lie on these graves, we can we can soak up their um, their anointing and and be anointed. Uh, you know, to 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 Bethel's credit, like leadership was like, yeah, that's weird, but like who's to say it's not possible? Um, like they don't specifically endorse it, but they also don't necessarily shut it down. Um, yeah. And I, I will say there's a grave soaking segment in this video series and the Dean and Bill Johnson do come out pretty strongly. Like, well, we don't do that. We don't, we've never taught that. We don't advocate that. It was something that happened. 
And and this is something they brought up in light, you know, in connection with this grave soaking thing. This, this like, uh, well, let's see, let's see if this is something that the spirit's doing, kind of thing, mm. where um, that attitude of which I think is a good attitude, where you're 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 prepared, you, you know, they they the way they the way they kind of look at it is is this openness to to following where the spirit leads. So they see something new or different. They're not going to immediately shut it down, which is like I said, is there, there is good, there is good in that, but there's also like, there's also boundary markers where you don't need, you know, there, there's still a box that we ought to be staying in. Um, anyway, to, so to their credit, they have addressed this and said, right. you know, like, um, but like you're saying, is it, is it really is it really all that surprising that this level of openness to any and all kind of spontaneous spiritual reactions to things is it really all at all surprising that like stuff is going to happen that's not so good you know or or not yeah. like even if it's even if it's just like ludicrous and it's not actively harmful it's like there's nothing, you know, in that sense, there, there would be nothing wrong with it. But it's like, it feels very wasteful to me, you know, yeah. like to, and again, unnecessary, because, you know, thanks be to God, we're not the first generation of Christians figuring out how to do church. You know what I mean? Like, we, we've got 21, 20 plus centuries of, of experience. And why why ignore that and it feels like something like that comes out of like we're ignoring it yeah i don't know yeah and i a couple of the last things we'll say before we wind down here i know we're approaching our hour mark but this this conversation is just so interesting i think where this where the rubber really hits the road is like we we talked about this a long time ago dude i don't know i don't know if you even remember it but we talked about like things we wish we had learned when we were younger and we talked about this idea of theology liturgy and biography we talked about head heart and hands so like the the theology the the things that we know um in our minds often informs our hearts it informs our affections it then informs what we do in the world um and so my my fear with a lot of this is in that that head heart hands structure for people who are in this world. So the things that are, are filling their heads are impacting their hearts and thus impacting the way that they live in the world. And there are like, I've read, I read a couple of articles about like people who live in Reading and like people who live in Reading are just sort of like uh, completely over the school and the people that are associated with the church because the people will just, you know, go out into the community. They'll go to places where people are in wheelchairs or on crutches, like at the supermarket or touring the city or whatever. And it's like, I get, I get the, the well intentions of wanting to pray for people. I get that. Like I get wanting to go out and, and, and do good in that way. Um, but I think that they're like, we need to exercise caution when we do that. Like we shouldn't just presuppose that like, just because someone's in a wheelchair, that that person is miserable or that like they in that moment absolutely need healing or restoration or something as if that person in their wheelchair doesn't have a fully, um, you know, good and satisfying life. Um, I, I actually, I've been thinking about this a little bit. I've been wanting to do some reading on like disability theology. Um, and I, that, that comment, I didn't even think about that, but you're, you're, you're totally, you're totally right. And in light of that, 
and I'm saying it on air, so I'll have some level of accountability. We should do an episode <laughs> on like disability theology, that kind of thing. Um, and just because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting questions that I have not wrestled with. Yeah. Um, that are in that sort of zone. Well, and it's something that like if if you live on Earth, you know, there are paralytics and blind people and deaf people and all kinds of people with disabilities that I think it's worthwhile to, to wrestle with those questions that somebody like me who's healthy overall and able-bodied doesn't have to wrestle with in the sense that I don't face those issues. Yeah. Um, and, and I know this is, that's totally different. Whatever point is like, we should, we should talk more about that at some Agreed. point. Agreed. <laughs> and, and I mean, <laughs> we're the rubber really, no, no, you're good. It, Cause that's good to mention. Cause like where the rubber really hit the road and like, apparently in 2008, there, uh, some people were, were, were hiking uh, on a cliff and a man fell down a 200 foot cliff and um one of the students happened to be a bethel student one of the other students who was there that didn't fall and they believed that the person was dead and tried to find him for 6 hours in order to raise him back to life rather than calling 911 like so instead of the first thing you're doing is calling the paramedics or people who would come help because because of their theology, were believing where they had this physical power to raise people from the dead, um, their first instinct was to try to find this person who had fallen 200 feet so that they could raise them back to life. And so there was this whole lawsuit. Um, thankfully, this person did not perish, but they're paralyzed. Um, and you know, I think this 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 brought up larger criticism for the church's teachings. Um, you know, this this idea that like you know we can raise people, we can heal people. Like again no matter how well-intentioned that might be, it has real life, like practical implications, like real damage can be done, whether it's psychologically or in this person's case, quite literally physically, like this person probably could have actually died. Um, and so that's, that, that's serious. So I, I think the last thing that I want to do, and I, this is what I mentioned in the beginning, I mentioned, should churches sing Bethel songs? This is a conversation I, this is something I've wrestled with for a long time. Literally, when I worked in a church and we were singing Bethel songs, I raised this question based on some of these problems that I was seeing with Bethel. Should we be singing their songs? So just to, to give you the highlights, Bethel Music is an American record label and publishing company that is directly associated with Bethel Church. It's led by Bill Johnson's son, Brian. Uh, its music is some of the most played contemporary worship music in the world, They've reached the Billboard 200 multiple times, so that's that's not just Christian music. That is the the Billboard charts for all American music. Uh, Bethel has dozens of songs with tens of millions of views on YouTube, two with over 100 million. Um, so, like, th this is this is a big deal. This this the, you know, in a sense, it's separate, but it's also tied. It bears that same name. It's in the family, quite literally. Um, and so based on what we've seen here, based on some of the problematic things, based on some of the, like, maybe, um, you know, looking forward into the future, the, the, the perceived outcomes of this sort of teaching and this church, my, maybe it's a hypothetical, maybe you want to answer an act, in actuality here on air, Lucas, but should churches sing Bethel songs? And maybe this is like a larger conversation that we should have, like, should should churches sing other people's songs? Like, do we, I know that's, a, a, a you know, talking about, um, you know, should we only sing the Psalms? Should we only sing, you know, church, uh, should we only sing songs that your church writes? Um, 
what what do you think about but specifically like should we sing bethel songs i think the shortest answer i can give because there's lots of nuance or not nuance but factors because we also live in a world which this is not the way it has always been but we also live in a world with like ccli licenses and the fact that you pay money to use songs copyright you know like we live we live in that kind of a world that 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 hasn't always been the case so Setting aside those conversations, I, I think my gut my gut answer is like, yeah, we sh- we should or no, we should we should we should. My gut answer is we should not sing Bethel songs because there are other songs to sing. Like if you if you have um, you know psalters that have been set to music, you have um, hymn all manner of hymnals that have different hymns and and you know songs that have stood the test of time uh, in terms of their 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 content as well as their usefulness in, in church and all that kind of stuff. Um, artists and, and cr- people who are talented and creative in your congregation um, and other s- contemporary artists, you know, who are, who are maybe CCM or, or just more broadly, you know, writing worship songs that you could, like, I, th- I think there's no reason to, say oh we need to sing bethel songs you know there's not so especially when you consider even if it's minuscule especially when you consider money being involved i think my gut answer would be no you know same and that that's yeah, kind my, of my that might be kind of no. a hard line but but yeah i know the argument was always like well these are the songs that are on the radio so these are the songs that our people know which you know, is a is an teach argument. them good hymns. Then that's that was that's what I would always say. I was like, then teach them new songs. They they have the capacity to learn new songs. Like we live in a world where you don't have to exclusively listen to the radio. You can listen to and find good music on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, in your church, in your hymns. Anyway, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up this episode, dude? This has been a somewhat no, of a, yeah. a large behemoth of a, a topic, and we've, I'm sure we've yeah. only scratched the surface kind of a twisting leviathan serpent of an episode mm. um yeah I, I think this was a fun one and i maybe feel like more future episodes came out of this than any sort of like <laughs> really productive like conclusions in the sense of like yeah bethel's like odd that's you know that's some some bad stuff is involved directly or indirectly and like maybe I don't want to be facetious because it's it's not a joke, but like, if you're sick, go to the doctor, you know, and pray. That's what that's what I'll conclude with. <laughs> if you're sick, yeah. go to the doctor and pray. Yeah, I that definitely yeah. a number of episodes have been forming in my mind, but we will we will close with a word of prayer. This is from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It's a Psalm of David. It says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?" The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I shall be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. 
And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. For you have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my, em- because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have, ri- have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Thank you for listening to all of the Heresy Month episodes. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed. We hope that you had a good time. Um, We also hope that you don't feel like any sort of sour feelings after listening to any of these. We recognize that we might rustle some feathers a little bit depending on uh, your backgrounds, where you are theologically, you know, the certain music you listen to. Like, our intention is to not... uh, Uh, make anybody angry for the sake of being angry, but our intention is to just talk about theology, to explore, discuss, investigate, grow, all those things that we talk about all the time that we mention even in our introductions, like we just want to like know the Lord, we want to love the Lord, um, and we want to do so faithfully. So um, if you have pushback, if you have questions, if you have episode ideas, whatever it is, like you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Again, we always welcome those things, feedback, questions, episode ideas, general musings on your life, whatever it might be. We'd love to hear from you. Um, remember, guys, be nice to people. Be nice in person. Be nice on the interwebs. Uh, remember to also be Nicene. That's just like a good rule of thumb. And uh, one last time, Mr. Mr. Richie Rust, play us out.